Let's uh, take our Bibles tonight and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. For several weeks now on Sunday nights, we've kind of been uh, addressing the issue of maintaining unity within the body. And really, um, uh, the idea here is not, and I just want to again clarify that the idea is not that I in some way sense that there's disunity among God's people here or that something's not right. That's not my intention uh, in this at all in, in preaching this. And I'm not really much for, um, you know, real catchy titles and that kind of thing. But I do kind of, in my own mind, just to file things away, kind of give things titles. In this particular series, I've actually entitled it just for myself, I've entitled it Maintaining Unity in Transitional Seasons. And, and uh, as a church family, uh, we are in a period of adjustment and learning to adjust to some, uh, some newness for all of us here. And, and uh, I think it's just uh, an appropriate time to be addressing some things that we need to be reminded about to prevent. It's kind of preventative maintenance of potential uh, issues that could arise and do arise from time to time in periods of adjustment. I, I think I made reference several weeks ago to the fact that uh, when people are newly married, uh, that there is some adjustment that needs to take place, and sometimes those first couple of years of marriage can be some of the hardest years of a marriage as you do learn to adjust to one another and, and the merging of lives and things like that. And so, and so it would be foolish for us to believe that uh, without God's help and without putting the word of God first and letting God lead the way through that, uh, that, that we would be without uh, any potential for uh, problems. And so the reason that we're studying this concept is really just to try and help us keep the mind of the Lord in the matter of unity. Well, the book of 1 Corinthians, as you know, is a, a book that really was written to address many of the problems that were taking place in the church in Corinth. We find that there were doctrinal issues, there was sin uh, that was prevailing within the church that was going kind of, uh, it was well known, but it wasn't being dealt with. It was just kind of allowed to continue on. Uh, the ordinances weren't being practiced according to the word of God. And in, amongst all of these things, uh, Paul says that the primary reason that the book was written was to address the divisions that were among the people. They were a divided church. And really the reason that there were heresies among them was because there was division, the Bible tells us. And so it, there, there, he was addressing that issue of unity. Well, when we come to chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, he begins to address and to teach on the subject of spiritual gifts. And why is that important? Well, because uh, as Christians, we can honestly struggle sometimes in thinking that we need to be gifted just like everyone else or that others ought to be just like us in terms of their gifts and abilities and their strengths. And that's not necessarily the way that God designed it. And so he really dedicates a, a, actually a fairly lengthy chapter uh, compared to some of the others to this subject. But if you're in 1 Corinthians 12, I'll invite you to stand as we read this tonight. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. And we're going to read a pretty good portion of this chapter together. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. 
Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit Dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made, all made to drink into one spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them... ...in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable upon these... We bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. I want to preach to you tonight on the subject, many gifts, one God. Many gifts, one God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this powerful and practical truth that you have so clearly taught us in this passage of scripture. I pray that in these next few moments as we try to understand uh, how these things apply in our lives, in our situation, in our church, I, I pray Lord that you would not allow us to be uh, selfish 
or self-willed in our expectations or opinions of what we think needs to be. But Lord, would you help us to be yielded and submitted to the perfect will of God. That you would help us to accept as your people the gifts that you have given to us as individuals. And to practice those and accomplish what you desire to accomplish in our lives. And Lord, would you help us to also be accepting of others in the way that you have gifted them. That the body could function in the way that you have designed it to function. And we ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Well, we read the, the chapter there, and it's pretty clear, pretty straightforward truths. Paul here makes a very clear statement that, that the, the, the local New Testament church is a body. A body that is designed for the purpose of functioning. Just as your physical body is to function, that we as individual Christians, are made up into a spiritual body as a church with the purpose of functioning. The key verse here is verse number 13 to understanding this passage of Scripture. As he says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. Now sadly, this particular verse, I believe, has been misinterpreted by many to teach that, that this is a, a, a reference to some universal and invisible body of Christ that includes all believers everywhere. But I would say to you and submit to you this concept that if that were true, that probably would be true if you were to take that verse out of context and, and, and just teach that verse alone, that would maybe make sense. But within this context, it seems clear to me that the only way that a body can function in such a way to where the members have the same care one for another, it has to be in a local, visible setting. In other words, there are other brothers and sisters in Christ that we have that are part of the family of God in other parts of the world. And though we don't know them, we have the same Holy Spirit and we have a love for them, uh, that is there because of the Spirit of God. If I travel to another part of the world and I find a, a brother that knows Christ, I may have never met him before and, and had nothing to do with him, and we can be from a totally different culture and, and not even speak the same language, but there is a mutual love there because of Christ. And that is absolutely true. That's part of being part of the family of God. But you see, when we start talking about a body, a body, in order to function, must be joined together... It must be connected, and in order to function, it has to be in the same place. If you take part of a body and you remove it, it's no longer part of that body. It cannot function with the body. And so within the context here, it's clear that what he's saying is, we are all together in one place, the body of Christ. And we are members in particular, designed to function uh, with one another. We... Uh, it's also important to note that he says that whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free. You see, especially in this time uh, that this was said in the first century A.D., people were extremely divided uh, over their class, or uh, whether they were someone who was wealthy, whether they were someone who was poor, whether they were someone who was... Uh, 
a, a servant or a slave or someone who was a, an owner of, of servants and slaves, uh, whether they were of Jewish descent or whether they were of Gentile descent, and people kind of divided into their different camps and cliques. And see, what he's saying is within a church, that cannot be. We, regardless of our background and our upbringing or social status, we are all part of the same body and we have all been given the responsibility to function together. Now, folks, we need to understand that we are not all alike. And that's okay. We don't have to be carbon copies of each other. In fact, if we were carbon copies of each other, we would be a very limited church. Would you agree with me on that? And really, we would have no need for a church if we were all exactly the same. Why wouldn't we just go about life on our own? But God has gifted us all differently and made us all different. And we together are to accomplish the will of God for us. And so some principles that I want to share with you from this passage and a few others tonight, some things that uh, are probably familiar to most of us, but yet they're important for us to be reminded of. First of all, let me say this, that according to this passage of Scripture, we are not all alike, but that is God's plan. Look at, at verse number uh, 4, if you would please, of uh, chapter 12 here. It says, Now there are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. You realize that we are not all gifted in the same way. There are diversities of gifts. Within a church like this one, there are some people who are really gifted in the area, let's just say, of teaching. And I'm thankful that the Lord has gifted some within our church to be good teachers. And that's a blessing. You know, I've been in churches where sometimes people are in positions where they're fulfilling the responsibility of teaching, but they're really not gifted in teaching. And sadly, it's because sometimes there really aren't many people in a church that have the gift of teaching. But, you know, God hasn't gifted everyone the same. There are some people in the church here that are really good at talking to other people about the gospel. They, I believe, have the gift of evangelism. And they have a desire, even, a hunger to tell others about Christ and the message of salvation. And others struggle with that. And that's okay. Now, let me say, we're all commanded to evangelize and share the gospel, even if that's not our specific gift, okay? But some people are better at that than others. Some people are gifted in other ways. Some people are gifted in the area of encouragement. And others, not so much. Some people have the, the, the gift of criticism, but I don't find that one uh, listed in the, in the spiritual gifts. Some people are very gifted singers. Others are not. Some people uh, are, are gifted in, in the area of administration. Others are not. Some people are very organized and orderly, while others are not. And all I'm saying is everyone is different. But here's the problem. Sometimes we think, first of all, that because we are not like someone else and because we aren't gifted in the same way that someone else is, that somehow we are less important than other people. 
I, I've actually known people who have said, you know, this person has this responsibility and this person has this responsibility, but I really don't have a place here. Did you know that if you are a member of this body, you have a place here? You may not have found it yet, but there is a place for you here. There is a place for you here. And you are no less an important role to this church than anyone else. Notice what he says in verse number 14. He says, For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? In other words, just because you're not just like someone else, does that mean that you're no long, you, you are no, no longer necessary to the church, that you're not part of the body? That's not true at all. Think of your own physical body. Your body is made up of many members, many different parts, and all of them are useful, aren't they? I'm thankful for my hands, but I'm also thankful for my feet. Now, I can try to decide which one I like better, but the truth is I wouldn't want to live without either of them. How many of you have kids that ask weird random questions? I ought to put both my hands up. I guess I'm alone in this. Here was a question I got from one of my kids not too long ago. Dad, would you rather live with no arms or no legs? Um, how about I'd rather live with both arms and both legs, right? No, that's not an option. If you had to choose, well, hopefully I don't ever have to choose because <laughs> I like my arms and I like my legs. I like my hands and I like my feet. And here's the thing. In this church, God has feet and hands and eyes and ears and just like we have a physical body that every part every member is important so is the church you matter here you matter and you are gifted you might think i you know i i don't really think that god has gifted me i don't think i have anything i can use to the for, for the lord look at verse 7 but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to who? Every man to profit with all. Every man. If you're a member of this body, you have a gift, you have a purpose. God has put you here for a reason and you are important. Now some people think, because I'm not gifted like someone else, that I'm not important. Here's another problem. Some people think, because that person's not gifted like I am, they're not important. Look what he says here down in verse number in verse number uh, 18 he says but now if God set the members in the body uh, every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him and if they were all one member where were the body but now are they many members yet one body and the eye cannot say unto the hand I have no need of thee nor again the head to the feet I have no need of you no part of your body can look at another part of your body and say, I don't need you. If you think that's the case, stub your little toe sometime. The pinky toe 
in my estimation, is the most useless part of the body. Until it's not. And when you hurt that little toe, you know what happens? Everything you do hurts, doesn't it? And how many times, you've probably said it, I've said it, I never knew how much I used such and such a part of my body until I injured it, and then I found I use it all the time. Shortly before we, uh, we left for Liberia, we were out visiting uh, our family. We knew that we wouldn't see them for a long time, and so we went and saw uh, my wife's parents and then my parents, and, and we had just had a really nice visit with them, and uh, we were just getting ready to leave my parents' house. My parents live in a house that sits kind of up on a hill, and they have somewhat of a short driveway, but it's real steep. And we were parked on that on that driveway, and we had our Suburban fully loaded, and on the back of it, I had one of those cargo carriers, you know, that goes into the hitch receiver there, and I had just loaded everything up into that Suburban. I was standing on top of the uh, cargo carrier, and when I went to get down, my initial plan was to jump off of there. But I had this fleeting thought as I'm getting ready to jump. Here was my thought. I'm not as young as I used to be. And I thought, what I'm going to do instead of jumping is I'm going to step down. But this is all happening mid-jump. I should have just committed to the jump. <laughs> but I didn't. I second-guessed myself, and I decided I'm going to step down rather than jump down. Well, I misjudged, because of the hill, I misjudged the distance between my foot and the ground. And I, it went a little farther than I thought it was going to. And my, I, I went right foot first, but my left toe hooked the back of that cargo carrier, and I went down. As I went down, I put my hand out in front of me. My hand hit the concrete, and my body rolled over the top of my hand. And these two fingers came back and touched my thumb right here. And I heard it snap. My first thought was, that was dumb. <laughs> My second thought was, ouch. Went and got an x-ray, and what happened was, this pinky finger here had broken right at the knuckle. And if you saw the x-ray, that knuckle was almost like shoved right up against the other knuckle next to it. Nothing had to, didn't have to have any surgery or anything like that. They just set it in kind of a splint and said it'll heal on its own. But the next few weeks were rather painful because I'm right-handed. And everything I do, now, it's, it's a pinky finger. It's the side of my hand. You'd think I could avoid that, right? Wrong. You know what I found out? This is necessary for me. It's necessary. Now that's a silly example, but the truth is, you've probably experienced something similar. And come to find out that every part of you is necessary. And it would be foolish of us to think that there is someone else in this church that is unnecessary or unneeded. In fact... If you have that mentality, first of all, you need to understand that is pride. To think that you matter more than someone else. There's not one of us that matters more than others. God has put us here for a reason, and we all have a purpose, and we all have a function, don't we? 
So we're not all alike, but that's God's plan. Secondly, God has a purpose for every member, and that includes you. I've touched on this, but look at verse number 18, if you would. It says, but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. Who put you in this church? It wasn't you, and it wasn't a pastor, and it wasn't even the church. It was God. Now you might say, well, I made the decision to come here. Yeah, that may be true. God works along with our free will and how that all works, I'm not sure. But here's what I do know. According to this, if you are a member of this body, it is by God's express design. He's put you here. Now just a little side note on that. You ought to take that seriously. A lot of people treat it very lightly. I've seen people leave churches over the smallest issue and they, they act as though it's no big deal. I'm just going to leave this one and go join this one over here. But the Bible says that God's put the members in the body as it pleased him. And if he put you in a body, you better be sure that it's him moving you to a different body. And you have a purpose. Look at verse number 11 if you would. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. God has gifted you with, with the gift that he wants you to have in order to accomplish what he desires. Verse number 27, now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. God has put you here and you have a purpose and a place and I have a purpose and a place and then let me say this also, that when each member does their part and functions in the way that God has created and designed them to function, God is glorified and the church is unified. When every member does that which they have been called to do, God is glorified and the church is unified. Look again at verse number 7. It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Why? To profit with all. To profit with all. In other words, to accomplish the will of God. Now hold your place here, if you would, in 1 Corinthians 12. But go with me forward a few pages to the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4. There are really three primary chapters in the New Testament that deal with spiritual gifts. They're not the only places that talk about spiritual gifts, but they are kind of the primary ones. It's 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4. And I would encourage you, we don't have time to read through all of those tonight. I really had considered preaching to you out of all three of those in one message, but we would have been here a while. But I would encourage you to read through them. Because there's some overlap in the things that they say, but they also teach some things that uh, each one individually takes a little different perspective on it. And I want to encourage you uh, to really look into what the Bible says about this, because it's so important. Ephesians 4, verse number, let's go, with, uh, we'll start in verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. Listen to this. From whom, this is Christ, from Christ, from whom 
the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Have you ever noticed that when Paul is writing, he uses really long sentences? Let me give you a little breakdown of what he's saying here. From whom the whole body fitly joined together. A body is joined together by Christ. After all, it's his church. Upon this rock I will build my church. He is the head of the body, the church. It's his church. A church is joined together by Christ... We are fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Christ has put us together according to his perfect wisdom. Have you ever wondered or just considered how your physical body, I mean it just is a, it's perfect proof of a designer, isn't it? I mean, you are not just a random collection of body parts. <laughs> Every part of you functions perfectly. It's, it's fit together in just the right way. So is the church. Christ has fit us together. But what compacts us together? What keeps us together? The, 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 the joints that compact us together. Look what it says. It's compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. You know what that means? A church stays unified when the members function in the way that God has designed for them to function. When you fulfill the, the calling, the gifting that God has put upon your life and you serve Him with that gift in this place... It brings unity within the body. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, then listen to this, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Do you know what the result is of God's people working together in unity and harmony? It's growth. Growth. Now, that doesn't just mean numerical growth. It doesn't just mean that, you know, we're just going to explode with huge numbers of people, though that could happen. But the idea is a, a body that is healthy and functioning normally and naturally grows. You go through a period in your life where from the time you're a, a baby until the time you're an adult, you're growing physically and it's, it's evident, you can see it. They, children grow in height. They, they, grow, they become more mature in their, their face. Their voice changes. We, there's growth. But did you know even once you reach that stage where you stop growing taller and, and you, you stop growing and changing in that way, your body is still every day growing in some way. 
you're replacing cells that die. Your body is constantly, your hair is growing, your fingernails are growing. Your, your body is growing. There's a constant state of growth. In fact, if your body was to stop growing in those ways, something would be very wrong. And so the idea is this, when a body, a church body, is functioning as it ought to, and everyone is doing that which they have been gifted to do, they stay unified together, and the body itself makes increase of itself uh, to, unto the edifying of itself in love. When each member does their part, the part that God has given them to do, the Lord is glorified, and the church is unified. So we see that we all have different gifts. We all have different functions. All are necessary within a church. There is no one here that is unimportant to God. And there is no one here that is unimportant to this church. You matter. You matter. And others matter. And because of these things, lastly, let me say that we are commanded to care for one another. Though we're not all the same. We are commanded to all care for one another. Go back to 1 Corinthians 12, if you would. 1 Corinthians 12. Look at verse number 25. It says that there should be no schism in the body. The word schism, it means division. It means a separation. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. God's design is that a church made up of individuals who are all distinct and different would be committed to caring for the needs of each other. You know we ought to care for one another. When someone else is hurting, we should hurt with them. When someone else is rejoicing, we should rejoice with them. We ought to care for one another in the same way that we would care for our family, or in the same way that we would care for ourselves. Because we're all part of the same body. We are commanded to care for one another. I told you that there are two, two other chapters that really detail these spiritual gifts and our relationships to one another. Romans 12, Ephesians 4. I should have had you hold your place in Ephesians 4. We'll be back there in a minute. But let's go to Romans 12. I want to show you that this is something that's reiterated in Romans 12 in a slightly different way. Romans chapter 12, verse number 10. I was in Romans 15 looking at it and going, that's not the right verse. That scares me to death when I do that. You ever do that, Pastor Smith? Man, I was glad when I saw I was in the wrong chapter. All right, Romans 12, verse number 10. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord... Rejoicing in hope, 
patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not, uh, and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. You know, that really is a recipe right there for unity within the body. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Humble yourself. Reach out to others. Care for others as though they were you or a close member of your family. Care for them. Give to them in their time of need. Don't recompense evil for evil. And as much as possible, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. You know, if we would do those things, we'd never have to worry about not being unified as a church. Where we start to get off track is when we stop considering one another and we put our minds on ourselves. We exalt ourselves. We say in our own heart, I'm better, I'm more important than this person or that person. We fail to meet them in their place of need and we only care for ourselves and what ends up happening is we become disunified, we become divided. And folks, and I know I've said it, and I'll continue to say it, we live in a time, sadly, where our nation is more divided than I think it has ever been, maybe other than the Civil War time. Although, even if you went back to the time of the Civil War, I think the average American probably had more in common with each other than many do today, sad as that is. We are so divided as a nation. But that ought never to be said in a church. That is never God's will. It's never God's plan for us. One last place I want to take you back to Ephesians 4. And I want to show you the importance of caring for one another. When I say caring for each other, I'm not just talking about having feelings about each other. We put so much emphasis on how we feel. But really, we're commanded to not live by feeling so much as we live by faith and obedience to the Lord. And when we are to, commanded to care for one another, the concept is that we are to serve one another. Ephesians 4 Verse number one, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and Father of all, who is above all and through, you, through all and in you all. What's he saying? Hey, you, you need to remember, you have the same salvation. You have the same God. You have the same baptism. Did you know that? We have the same baptism. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who's above all and through all and in you all. And because of this, because we all have the same God, we all have the same Savior, we all have the same Holy Spirit, we're all part of the same body, what are we to do? With lowliness and meekness, we are to forbear one another in love, we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, we are to, by love, serve one another. Serve one another. And so, folks, tonight I just want to remind you what you already know. That God has put you here, and God has put me here, and commanded us to love one another. And that love is not just about you're supposed to feel a certain way about someone. That love is we are to serve each other and hold one another in high regard and endeavor to work together to accomplish what God has given us to do. Listen, you're not always going to agree with me. And I'm not always going to agree with you. But one thing is for sure. If we're serving God, we are on the same team. And we ought to love one another and esteem one another and recognize that God has put us here for a reason, for a purpose. And there's not one of us more important than another. We're just here to serve our King.